In this bonus edition of Hoosology, Matt and Justin welcome ESPN digital host Arda Arcal to discuss the rising popularity of NBA Top Shot. Arda gives the host all the details regarding why NBA Top Shot is captivating basketball fans. We also talk about the viewership of esports during the pandemic, the NBA 2K League, and more. And now, Arda Arcal. We now have the pleasure in welcoming ESPN digital host Arda Arcal onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Arda? Doing very well. Thank you very much for the invite. I'm happy to be here. So, Arda, uh, we wanted to have you on the podcast to just discuss a variety of really hot topics, kind of in the digital space. And let's start with start with NBA Top Shot. This is something that has popped in my radar like three weeks ago, and I think ever since then I've just been just obsessed with researching everything about it. And it seems like this is going to be a a thing and a characteristic of the NBA that's going to be sticking around for a while. So I just want to kind of get your story. We're talking off air and how you got involved with NBA Top Shot. Yeah, I mean, I came into it relatively recently as well. I uh, obviously I contribute to many different places at ESPN. And one of those places is Sports Nation, uh, the newly reimagined Sports Nation, which is now on ESPN Plus as a daily show. Of course, it's a wildly popular brand among many sports fans and the Twitter account still goes very strong, large presence on social media, but uh, now it's also, again, a daily show, uh, which which is on ESPN Plus, and I contribute to it. I guest host as well. And uh, one of the things that I like to do is finding things sort of off the beaten path or things that are emerging. So I do a lot of gaming segments, a lot of esports segments, and that, and really through research and happenstance, I happen to discover NBA Top Shot, and honestly, it has been a wild and amazing ride in learning as much as I can about NFTs. And one thing that I have learned is that this is not new. NBA Top Shot is even not new, relatively speaking. Like the the pandemonium and the hoopla surrounding it on a mainstream level is new, but the company has been around for a long time, Dapper Labs behind it, and also has had other projects outside of sports in the crypto space. But NBA Top Shot is really a massive success story for the paradigm shift of NFTs, uh, which will eventually come. So it, it's a really fascinating thing. And Arda, can you just explain basically for this a newbie, what is NBA Top Shot? And kind of, there's been, I, this is for my own story. I went from like totally dismissing it. This is ridiculous. This is the dumbest thing ever. You know, we can find highlights on YouTube, you know, the typical kind of, um, I guess, opposite sure, opinions of, of liking it to all of a sudden just creating an account and wanting to buy my first pack and they're, they're being sold out every day. So can you just describe like what exactly it is and why it's one, I guess a must for an NBA fan and two, um, just why it's relevant in this day and age. Okay. So, so at the one one level, sure. basically NBA top shot are a series of moments. So you buy a pack uh, a, a common pack costs $9, for example. So you get three moments in that pack. You click a button. It's very similar to opening a pack of cards. You get that same sentiment, that same feeling. You open the pack. It shows you the highlight. And that is called a moment. And that you own. You own the moment. And so you get three of them per pack usually. And there are different tiers. Common, legendary, uh, cosmic, etc. There's different tiers and different price points. Then 
what you choose to do with it is up to you. You can collect them, you can keep them, or you can put them up for sale on the marketplace. And that's where you can buy, sell, and trade unique moments. Like everyone, I'm sure many people watching this right now have heard about the $200,000 plus sale of the LeBron James dunk that was bought on the Topshop marketplace. So that then the next question, of course, a lot of people have are, well, why are these even valuable in the first place? The, the analogy that I use or the comparison that I use is why are trading cards popular? Because at the, because we grew up knowing trading cards, they always existed, right? They had existed for generations before we were born. But at the end of the day, there's still pieces of paper with a picture on them, right? So what exactly makes them valuable? And the answer is there are people that are placing importance upon them, right? It's economics, the supply and demand. At the end of the day, people want those cards and people want to either collect those cards or lately especially see them as an investment and want to buy them and resell them. And that's exactly how they see NBA Top Shot. They see a surge in popularity. There is a segment of the audience that are investors that look at this and say, this is a good space for me to make really good money in right now. There might be better investments here than the stock market. I've heard investors say that in the short term. I've also heard people say this is a bubble and it's going to burst. And people have made the comparison to the dot-com bubble uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s, where the internet uh, dot-com bubble burst and suddenly companies you know, that were selling for millions upon millions of dollars were not really doing anything. But what happened after the bubble? What happened was the internet didn't go anywhere. In fact, it got more pivotal in our lives as every year went on. And so what, what, other what many people are saying as well is that this notion of a digital collectible is here to stay. Whether the bubble of Top Shot bursts or not, or whether the value of the moments decrease over time or it falls off a cliff or whatever, the actual collection of digital goods is here to stay. Arda, can you explain, you know, you mentioned you get you get these three moments mm -hmm. per pack. It, is the process, uh, can, can you compare it to like mining Bitcoin when Bitcoin was getting started? Is, is that kind of the way, uh, you know, with bit chaining and, and things like that, mm -hmm. that um, that these moments are, are being made? So I, I will say that I'm not an expert in cryptocurrencies and neither like am I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, like I will definitely <laughs> urge people who want to go into that rabbit hole, understanding ledgers and how blockchains are formed and written, etc. I highly recommend you do your own research on that. What I will say is that this is very similar. Now, this is a process where you can buy and sell these moments by credit card and you can go on the website and that's where all the transactions are made on the NBA Top Shot website. Now you receive a, you open a digital wallet. And what that means is basically that's where your collection goes. When you open a pack and when you receive a moment, those moments go into what is called your digital wallet. And that is there for you to look at, to store, to do whatever you want with it, really. And if you choose to sell it on the marketplace, then you go to the marketplace and you place your moment up for sale. And so that's a whole other conversation on like what moments are lucrative and what price points there are, et cetera. But basically that's how it works at a very 101 basic level. Once you open a, a moment in your pack, that moment is yours. Now, there might be 10,000 of those moments, but the beauty of it is you the, this whole process and, and blockchain and, and crypto in general is very transparent. So you will always know 
if you go to a marketplace and you look at a LeBron dunk, I just keep using that as an example. Uh, let you will know exactly how many of them there are that will always be present. One of three hundred, uh, two fifty of three hundred, or one of ten thousand, whatever. Right? You will always know how many exist. You will mm -hmm. also know the transaction history and how much each trade went for, and that is in a ledger that you will always be able to see. So already on a digital standpoint, there are advantages over buying physical trading goods, right? Like a lot of this is a paradigm shift. A lot of people are just used to trading cards and they're just like, I don't have any value placed upon digital, but once they hear it more, once they understand it more, it'll slowly seep into their conscience and they'll slowly start to understand. The other benefit of digital goods is there's no wear and tear. I don't have to worry about sending a card to PSA. I don't have to worry about bent edges. I don't have to worry about pen smudges. I don't have to worry about uh, it being lost even. Like it'll always be there on the blockchain. One of the things mm. that Dapper Labs, who's the company that created NBA Top Shot, has been very transparent about is this is... This will operate whether Dapper Labs is involved or not. Like, let's say another similar company gets the uh, NBA uh, agreement in the future. Well, your stuff will still be there. It'll just be another company operating it. That's a really interesting point um, that the stability of the market will always be there. Mm -hmm. And Arda, I just want to ask you the potential, because this is like the ground floor of just the highlights that are on there. I mean, we're not even talking about legends. Uh, we're not even talking about even early 2000s highlights. Mm -hmm. um, you've talked to some of the behind the scenes um, creators of this um, NBA Top Shot. I mean, what is kind of their rollout and what's kind of in their, their master plan? Because, you know, we, we got a league that's constantly creating highlights. I mean, this is kind of a monumental task. I mean, you're, we're starting from now to going back to the history of the league, possibly. So what is kind of their intentions, like maybe a year from now, five years from now? Have they thought that far? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to like peel this in layers of onions because there's actually many layers to this. So uh, the one thing is, is that the demand surged so much that they have a lot of unique challenges that they have to fix as it pertains to bandwidth on their website, as it pertains to rolling out different features, et cetera. They were talking about like trades that they can't do right now. They're, you know, they, they have so many ideas behind the scenes that they are trying to concurrently work on. They even have a game called Hardcourt that they're going to release, which essentially gamifies your moments and turns it into a video game, so to speak. And that's coming out soon too. And that's working concurrently. But they have a lot of fires that they have to put out, like the demand on the website. Like how do they deal with the, the surges? How do they, you know, they have to, uh, they, they've turned off some features like in the marketplace. People are concerned about withdrawing their money. They have a lot of concerns uh, that are piling up but they are working on them i will say that their ceo roham uh, has been very transparent and also very accessible like he's on clubhouse a lot he's doing a lot of talks uh, he's very out there answering these questions and, and and a lot of the company has been as well so as it pertains to what you asked specifically i'll do it in layers so one of the reasons that they have primarily kept to current highlights is because they believe that the demand for historical highlights will be large and they want to make sure that they'll be able to handle that. Like if Makes they sense. were to release, for example, Jordan highlights, you could see those moments going for a million for some people, right? Now, Matt, I know that you have a vested interest in this based on the posters <laughs> behind you. So the Absolutely. other unique challenge, yeah, the other unique challenge with Jordan, of course, is the whole IP challenge. It's not necessarily an NBA PA thing, you know, him handling his own IP, etc. So that poses a special challenge. Now, have they had these conversations? Absolutely. Do we have anything on the horizon? They've been very tight-lipped about that. 
the two areas where they have really identified as sort of the next up is number one the WNBA so that's imminent I think that's their immediate next project is they want to make sure that they can roll out WNBA highlights as soon as possible and there's also a pre-beta website for the UFC uh, that one is called UFC on flow and that right now is at the stage where they're taking surveys like I received two emails as someone who signed up to the newsletter recently where one of them said these are coming soon the other one was would you like to take a survey where we can ask you questions about it and when I talked to the director of partnerships and marketing Katie Tedman at Dapper Lab she said you know it, it, it's conceivable that the UFC on flow as it's called right flow is the name of their blockchain UFC on flow uh, could possibly roll out by the end of this year so we, we don't know exactly the time frames uh, they don't want to commit to anything like that publicly but those are the two that they're working on right now but could we see a world where NBA has a bunch of historical highlights one thing that they did identify was they would like to group them in sort of themes like maybe best dunks in history or iconic moments in history or you know daggers in history like what whatever they, they I think they have an interest in grouping them in that sort of format or like I don't know the best of 2004 or something like that as opposed to uh just releasing a whole season right like making it lucrative in that way i think that they are very interested in like that supreme type of drop that you know creates interest and buzz right so that's i think the way they're going to go about it but also one thing that they've said is that they've talked to every major sports league and they've also talked to a lot of ip the director of marketing partnerships, uh, Katie Tedman, she said it's about 60-40, uh, 40 percent sports leagues and 60 percent IP that I have conversations with. So could we see a world where every major sports league is involved, NFL, NHL, even, uh, you know, European League Soccer, whatever the case may be, and also things like Marvel and DC and Star Wars? Absolutely. Like this model could be replicated for any popular IP. And you mentioned, Arda, about the UFC, and, and we're a basketball podcast, but I'm, I'm also a huge MMA fan, so yeah. I want to ask you about this. Um, the UFC is you know, primarily on pay-per-view, and those highlights are harder to get. Now, they have free fights on YouTube, but you know the, the NBA is readily more available. Do you see, once the UFC gets up and going, those top shots, so to speak, whatever they call it, um, going for more? Because a lot of that is ex more exclusive to a paywall, mm -hmm. either ESPN Plus or on pay-per-view, and a lot of kind of the older history of the UFC is not readily available to just an average person. You have to go on Fight Pass and pay a mm -hmm. subscription every month to see it. Um, so do you see even like box historical boxing fights for maybe you know Showtime, HBO? Do you see basically sports highlights that's behind a paywall now, behind a streaming service, being more lucrative than just a regular sports league in which those highlights are more readily available? Yes. So two things there. Uh, I did ask about the naming. I don't know if it's going to be called UFC on flow. They do have ideas to make each one unique. I don't think it's going to be like NHL top shot, UFC top shot. I think the name will change with each one, but, but obviously they haven't really come to a conclusion on that yet. But my, my answer to what you just asked there, Justin, is if there's money, it's going to happen. And here's the, here's the secret sauce from a business standpoint from NBA top shot. And this will be replicated for every league. The big benefit that the NBA and the Players Association or every, uh, every single entity involved in the deal, the big benefit here is that, take trading cards, for example. If I buy a trading card on eBay, let's say I buy a Wayne Gretzky rookie card. If I buy it for a million dollars, Wayne Gretzky, the NHL Players Association, the NHL, they don't get a cut of that secondary sale. 
They got a cut at initially when the deal was made and the cards were printed, but not in every secondary sale. On NBA Top Shot, the marketplace is also owned by the company that creates the Top Shot moments. And so every single sale of every moment, if you sell that LeBron James highlight for $200,000 and you sell it 50 times, it gets ha changed hands 50 times. The NBA, the NBA Players Association, I, I don't know the exact arrangement and I don't know the exact percentages, but what I do know is that every single sale, there will be a percentage given to those entities. So if you're telling me that the UFC will have the same benefit from a George St. Pierre knockout or a Conor McGregor knocking out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds, if that's going to generate revenue each time, then that is only positive for the UFC. And I can absolutely see that happening. And at the end of the day, these are official licensed partnerships. And of course, Dapper Labs is going to ask for those lucrative highlights because that's what the fans will want. Absolutely. Arda, I wanted to ask... Um... Why? Why exactly the NBA the way with Top Shot? Is it is it fanhood from Dapper Labs? Is it like kind of Twitter being a, a nice medium for you know us checking out NBA highlights every night? Um, why is it that NBA is is kind of the first major sport uh, with in, in this NFT market? So there has been other crypto endeavors like MLB had an MLB crypto example. Mm -hmm. uh, some card trading companies have digital card collectibles like Tops is an example. Um, mm -hmm. Brian Windhorst wrote a really good article outlining this on ESPN a couple weeks ago as well. The NBA are traditionally early adopters. And so this, these conversations were happening years in advance. And so... I even asked uh, when I spoke with Katie, uh, I asked like, what are the conversations like now with leagues versus with the NBA? And she said, yeah, obviously it's different, but the NBA quickly understood what we were trying to do and saw the potential. So if there was ever any league for this to be successful with, it's definitely the NBA because they are definitely ones that are quick adopters and see the trends often better than other leagues. Absolutely. Arda, I wanted to ask you about kind of the, the opposite side of the coin in terms of just NFTs and just, I guess, NBA Top Shot in general. Um, I had a buddy of mine who's really a big fan of the NBA um, bring this to my attention, and I had no idea. And I just wanted to see in, in your research um, if you come across this in terms of the environmental impact that, I guess, cryptocurrency and, and Bitcoin um, has had on the environment in terms of you know causing potential damage in the future is that like a is that something you came across at all during your research is that something that's going to be a factor or is you do, do you think that's maybe overblown have you i'm just wondering because i just came across it just the other night so i'm, I'm very curious yeah. to see if this is possibly a problem for the cryptocurrency market and you know maybe for the nba from a public relations standpoint if this gains traction in the mainstream media so two things there. Um, yeah, that definitely has been brought up as a concern. I have seen some CEOs or some executives of crypto companies saying the only reason people are outraged over this is because they didn't know that this was the case. But in comparison to other things that they use in their everyday lives, you know, like those are established things that you feel like you need, but also contribute in the same negative way to the environment. So I've heard that argument used by executives in crypto companies. But yes, like there there are some like, you know, alarming or jarring stats out there, like minting one NFT is essentially the same as 
lighting your house for a day and a half. Um, that I don't quote me that on that exactly, sure. but that's along the lines of, of of what it is. Now, certainly, this will increase as we get more NFTs minted, as people are really getting into this space, and as more leagues come in. Like this is certainly going to be amped up. But um, I personally will endeavor to do more research on this because I'm curious to see what the response is from the crypto community, especially as the demand grows and we, as we see more happen, because I do think that it, I think the sentiment is that a lot of it is just they were not aware that this was any sort of environmental impact at all or in terms of energy usage. So I think that that was more surprising than anything. But also, there isn't really much of a comparison being made to other things that we already use, right? And so, I, 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 I'm not an expert to speak in this realm just yet, but I am curious to see how both sides of this sort of proceed in terms of, of, of what will no doubt be an increase in NFT usage. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It, it's, just, it's a new frontier. I mean, this is something that, you know, this is starting to come into the mainstream and not only sports, but uh, music and, and other things. And I want to ask you, since you also cover esports as well, uh, Matt and I, were, we've played NBA 2K, one of our favorite video games, and I believe it's my team. Um, do, you ha- I, you know, do you have the ability to open, you know, kind of digital trading cards there? Mm-hmm. How does this change, like, NBA 2K? Because to me, I see that as more valuable. I mean, you're playing as the player um, in, a, in a video game, and those are very lucrative as well, where you have, um, you know, people playing the game, paying, you know, big-time money just to get those packs. So do you think, is, am I just, is this a stretch just to kind of correlate this to NBA 2K? case in terms of kind of that digital trading card or do you think there's some kind of correlation there possibly so actually i just read an article about how nft adoption will come through video games i think video games has been using tokenization for a very long time now people are very used to collecting and using virtual currency in video games fortnite is an amazing example of this right Mm -hmm. nba 2k also you're collecting you're changing your avatar so like this whole idea of digital customization and collection is not a foreign concept to video game players, right? Including NBA Absolutely. 2K. Now, one thing that I do find interesting is I was actually listening to a few executives in a clubhouse the other day where they were talking about what the future of video games will be. And they were mentioning how free to play really changed the formula for a lot of games. Now, NBA 2K is not the case, of course, but like free to play games like Fortnite, like mobile games really sort of changed the course of a lot of video games and how they monetize. Now, the next wave, according to these people and what people might be predicting, is free to earn and free to own. So imagine a world where an NBA game is free and you're grinding the game and playing the game and getting good at the game. And There are rewards such as you get this unique NFT as a reward for winning a season or playing these games or reaching a certain level. Now, there are obviously hurdles that you have to jump. You know, what what does that mean for like if you sell this thing for tax purposes or, you know, what about uh, people who are not of age to be able to, you know, engage in these kind of things? Like there are certainly different layers of this. I'm just uh, mentioning what the conversation was here, and it, it seemed to be very interesting. And honestly, that could certainly, you could certainly envision that once you hear it, you're like, wow, this would actually be something that would be enormous, especially for gamers that love to grind and play and get better and then all of a sudden collect things. But imagine it doesn't stay in the game, right? Even as a collection, imagine everything you amass 
stays with you. So like you could put it on your digital avatar outside of the game and it doesn't just like die with the game itself, right? Mm -hmm. So these are things that game developers are thinking about, how long it'll take to implement. I mean, that remains to be seen, honestly. Like cross-play is a relatively new concept, right? Like it took a long time for, and we're still in an era where that's not fully going to be uh, embraced because you know marketing and exclusives etc console wars whatever you want to call them but like that is a concept that definitely people should keep an eye on because nfts could certainly make their way in some way shape or form into video games at some point in the future um Arda, i also want to ask you about this nba 2k in general this the league they had their draft and during the pandemic that was one of the big forms of i could say entertainment not only for just nba fans but just people in general looking for something to watch um based on that how do you think this the nba 2k league will i guess capitalize that in terms of gaining new fans for this season and then what is kind of what you've seen their overall outlook as a league compared to like other um video games um like shooters etc how does kind of nba how does the nba 2k league stack up to those leagues well certainly i mean the thing with sports simulators is that it's always going to have the uphill battle of people just wanting to watch the other sport right now i'm very entertained by NBA 2K League, Madden tournaments. I'm I do play by play for the NHL Gaming World Championship, which is the NHL's official esports. So like, I obviously, <coughs> excuse me, I'm very bullish on on uh, sim sports sim esports. But one thing that a sports exec told me a, a long time ago that I find to be true or see exam uh, uh, proof of often is the best esports are ones that are rooted in fantasy and ones that aren't necessarily a simulation of real life right like league of legends call of mm. duty you know these are these are for most people at least playing them a fantasy scenario right and so mm. uh, and so i i feel like we will continue to see growth in esports nba 2k is doing a lot of great things the league are doing a, is doing a lot of great things i love the inclusion of gen g last year i thought that that was a really big move to have an owner in the league that is not one of the nba teams um, I could see a world where every NBA team is involved and esports organizations are involved in non-NBA city teams. Like the Gen G Tigers represent Shanghai, which I think is a really great move. And then that could make it a more global or uh, outfit. You could see one day when the pandemic is over, maybe there's a European league or, or a world conference and a NBA conference, so to speak, where the teams play and then they, they come together or whatnot for a world championship in NBA 2K. Like that could absolutely happen. And this is also a good conduit to grow the game in certain areas. Like, could we have a team in India? Could we have a team in other countries in Europe? And could esports organizations be at the helm of that, just like Gen G was with, with Shanghai? So I think that that's a really great proposition. I think that the leadership there uh, are doing great things and yeah i i mean in esports in general we're seeing a lot of creativity we're seeing a lot of uh boom in esports and uh, that will only continue the one thing i will say is that people often confuse esports and general gaming like gaming is still a massive juggernaut as compared to esports right like esports might generate let's say a billion dollars in revenue which is impressive in itself but gaming does like nine figures you know or like like hundreds of billions of dollars of revenue which so esports and even for major organizations often esports is a small percentage of their actual revenues whether it's lifestyle products or streaming or content etc 
Oh, go ahead, Matt. I just wanted to get your thoughts, kind of, kind of more broadly speaking. You know, with lots of sports leagues, and I think mostly with schedule changes, obviously with the pandemic and, and things like that. Uh, you know, we saw things drop. In, I mean, pretty much across the board. And, and again, I think that was uh, scheduling being different and different focuses for individuals. You know, a lot bigger things going on, obviously. With esports specifically, just generally speaking, not not just limited to to 2K, um, was it similar to those types of trends? Or you mentioned the the kind of continued success of gaming and esports. Was that something that was unique? Did it did it boom a little bit more with mm-hmm. uh, the pandemic situation we all have been in? So I I th- I'm, I don't have any numbers in terms of if people sort of you know when sports went away if there were people that flocked to esports I will say that it was a huge task for esports leagues to actually pivot and and try to organize themselves during the pandemic like League of Legends and Call of Duty League were two great examples of Le- Rocket League as well actually. Well, even Overwatch. I mean, all of the leagues that operated, but like I'm using League of Legends and Call of Duty League because they had a really big spotlight on them. uh, And they did some pretty unique things this year. Like League of Legends held their world championship behind closed doors in Shanghai, except for the final that had a very limited audience. Mm. So, uh, but they, they kept the lights on and they, you know, took a break as they had to. And then when it was safe to do so, they pivoted to online and, for Call of Duty League especially, that could have been a uh, crushing blow for them because I, I know that like going to home series events, there was some really great events that they were putting on and they were ready to have some really, really great events coming up, especially Chicago, for example. They'd sold out their tickets in minutes and there was like a massive hype in the city mm-hmm. and then the pandemic hit. And so that none of that could happen. And, and of course, it's a different vibe when there's no fans in the audience, as we as we know, watching all the sports that we have, uh, literally seeing the NBA crown its champion in a bubble also. Right. So but uh, I think that the league should be commended sports and esports for continuing on and in particular with esports. Uh, they continued their regular seasons pivoting online, which brought in new challenges. There are different challenges presenting online than on land or in person. So um, I, I'm not sure about the actual like viewership and how it compared. I, I, I do know that CDL and League of Legends were very happy with their numbers when I asked mm-hmm. about it. Uh, and uh, they were uh, very comparable or even up as compared to previous years. I will say one thing. The uh, one of the founders of Riot Games who created League of Legends, his name is Mark Merrill. One thing he told me in an interview was, um, if not for the pandemic, uh, League of Legends esports overall would have been profitable for its first year ever. Mm. So that's just to show you, like some of the leagues have been profitable in the League of Legends ecosystem. But I mean, overall, it would have been profitable for the first time ever, uh, which is which is saying something. So the pandemic really derailed the best of plans. Hmm. What do you see as the future of esports? Because to me, Arda, it kind of reminds me of the rise of the USC in terms of a lot of misconceptions, a lot of people making early judgments, a lot of just 
you know, just, I guess, hatred for no reason. Mm -hmm. And then you, eventually you saw the UFC become mainstream and now it's on ESPN and you don't hear too much about controversies or everything. People just accept it. So I think with, with eSports, it seems to be some hesitancy in terms of maybe different demographics. I think younger demographics fully understand it perfectly. It's just part of their lives. But in terms of just crossing over to get those new, um, I guess, new viewers, new eyeballs on it, do you think with eSports that's even necessary to even get kind of a broader audience that people that may not even play video games to watch yeah. uh, compared to the UFC where that was a thing where people weren't even dating her on mixed martial arts they got into it and I just think with esports it has its own kind of integrated fan base I just want to ask you from somebody who's just a casual fan at best do you think like with esports in general are they going to be catering to those kind of non-fans to pull to, to grow the fan base or do you think they kind of find where they're at in terms of their own space online yeah, I don't think they need to. I think that they have a fan base that will just organically grow. And I think that they cater to them very well. This is one of the questions that I always heard. Like, this is adjacent to what you just asked there. But, like, there's a big conversation about esports getting into the Olympics. And this this does um, make sense in the context of what you just asked. So I'm going to tell the story. So sure. there's always this conversation about, oh, we need esports to be recognized in institutions like the Olympics you know which is mainstream that would give us so uh, that would give esports so much credibility it would give esports uh, a shot in the arm and more people would be uh, privy to it or, or see it for what it really is and actually before the 2020 games before the pandemic there was going to be an intel event that was really a precursor to it was almost like a pre-show to the olympics and rocket league and street fighter were going to be events at that uh, which was really seen as sort of the launch pad, sort of the soft introduction to esports at the Olympics, which may be in several years. I know that there's backlash in the IOC and sort of concerns, et cetera, but eventually it's going to get there once it becomes popular enough or recognized and established enough. I think it's just a time thing. But um, the other side of it was a lot of executives that I was talking to was saying, why does esports need the Olympics? Why is this such a milestone to people? Why do people care? Because we, the, if anything, the Olympics need us. Like, entities need us because we are the ones that are catering to the younger audience that so many people covet. So why are we trying to chase after these, you know, mythical brass rings or, 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 or milestones or accomplishments, so to speak, achievements, when we should be the achievement? We are the ones that are, are ushering in the new generation. So what is it about them that we care about so much what are we going to gain overall that they, they will gain from us so that is definitely a, a, a you know a sort of camps you know conversation sort of thing and i do think that i think it's a time going back to your question i think it's just time i think that people are starting to warm up to it i don't think that it's a what is this esports thing anymore I think it's more people are understanding what it is and now they're just making decisions on whether they want to pursue it or not. But I do know that a lot of brands are just normalizing having conversations with esports entities because they know that that will reach them an audience that they covet, a younger audience that they want to cater to for many, many brands. And you see a lot of activations being the case and that's only going to continue. My mic is muted. Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you very much for joining the show. Um, really appreciate it. Um, 
this gives school and us an NBA top shot. I'm sure a year from now, this is going to be probably the hottest thing um, in the league, if not really on fire already. Please, Arda, let our viewers and listeners know where we can find you on social media. And then um, what other projects and um, things you're up to um, during this year? Yeah, so I, I contribute to a lot of places at ESPN, of course. You can see me on Sports Nation. You can see me on Sports Center on Snapchat. If you're a hockey fan, I host In the Crease on ESPN Plus. Uh, and you can just follow me at Arda. If you're a Raptors fan, please announce yourself to me on Twitter. <laughs> I'll be happy to engage with you. Or if you're a Knicks fan watching MSG Networks for the last several years and happen to see me on a 150, I appreciate that too. But uh, but no, yeah, just follow me on at Arda, A-R-D-A on Twitter. And uh, I usually respond to people that send me messages. So uh, yeah, I appreciate being on the podcast. This was fun. Awesome, Arda. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for listening to the show. As always, you can get in touch with the podcast through email with hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, we are on all social media platforms. Please leave us a review on iTunes and check out our YouTube channel.